Amanda said. Well, thank you. Um, now, I've always been a fan of like pithy little nuggets of advice. I like those like bite-sized statements that, um, that cause you to think deeply about life itself, little tidbits of truth. They're frequently turned into internet memes, so you see those around quite a bit. And I went digging around the other day for some of these examples of these statements. I wanted to share a few of, you, a few of them with you this morning. I'll, I'll start off with one that's really close to my heart. It's one of my favorites. Always be yourself, unless you can be Batman. <laughs> then always be Batman. <laughs> Apparently this piece of advice came from a comedian. He said, don't sweat the petty things, and don't pet the sweaty things. The next two are not super applicable in San Antonio, but I think they're extremely good advice nonetheless. The first one is, don't make snow angels in a dog park. <laughs> Somebody's take them in a sink, yeah, I can tell that too. Um, and, and real bear hugs are often fatal. <laughs> then another, whatever you do, give 100%, unless you're giving blood. Now, as I dug for a while, I ran into some that were not necessarily funny, but they were simply solid truths. For our outdoors outdoorsy types, leaves of three, let it be. And for our goal-focused, oriented people, keep your eye on the ball. One of our rock star students reminded me this last week, not all heroes wear capes. My pastor, when I was in college, used to say, don't expect people who don't believe in Jesus to act like they do. Or how about this one? Hearts are wild creatures. That's why our ribs are cages. Now that's good insight for where we're going this morning. The best words of wisdom are advice that think or change the way you think and live. It's something to take heart, as they say. It's something that truly affects your life. I know in student ministry, I feel like we're constantly kind of driving home some statements of advice, some statements of truth. Some phrases that I come back to a lot are, your parents love you and they want the best for you. Keep pushing ahead, you'll get through this. Don't touch that, don't hang on that. Yes, there will be food. Another one I say a lot is maturity takes time, be patient. And, and some of these are directed at our adult leaders, but you get the idea. And, and it's interesting to hear these truths in light of the culture around us, the culture that regularly denies absolute truth. Much of what you see on the news and politics and culture seems to be based on the way it makes us feel. Little truth applied. We're seeing more blurred lines of what is right and what is wrong. We have churches condoning behavior that scripture is forbids. The victim in our culture is regularly seen as the wrongdoer for whatever reason. The truth is, we've always had our sin nature tell us when something is acceptable, when in fact, God says it's wrong. In Proverbs 4, we find a passage that's definitely a challenge for our students, growing up a culture like the one around us. But it's also very applicable for the rest of us who deal with similar tendencies. These are our sin tendencies. It's not just our current culture. It's dealing with sin every single day. So let's look at Proverbs 4. Starting verse 20. It says, My son, give attention to my words. 
Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not, them, do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them, and health to all their body. Solomon says in verse 20, give attention to my words and incline your ear. Now, I don't know if this is just flowery language. Incline your ear and listen closely. Or maybe Solomon was creating an image of himself as this old man. He'd lived his life. He's had a lot of experience, and that experience has taught him a lot of things. So now here he is at the end of his life. Perhaps he's on his deathbed. He's old. He's weak. He can't speak up. And so he's saying, son, lean in, listen, while he dispenses the wisdom that really matters. The Hebrew gives us the picture of lean over and listen closely. The idea of inclining your ear is a very intentional act. Do listen and do nothing else. This is not at all like my wife does to me when I'm at home watching the cowboy game, where she comes and says, hey, can you listen to me for a second between plays? No, no, this is stop everything and pay careful attention. This is important, so put your whole self into what I'm about to tell you. Now, we know that Solomon got his wisdom directly from the Lord. In 1 Kings chapter 3, God asked Solomon what he wanted for the Lord. And Solomon asked for wisdom to govern God's people well. And obviously, God answered that prayer for him. The wisdom found in Scripture is much more than good advice to live by. It's truth. It's life. Through Scripture, we know who God is. We understand who we are. We understand our needs, and we understand his provision. These words of wisdom are more than just pithy statements. They're words of life, God's word of life. In God's word, we have the wisdom we need for life. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. First he says, listen. Then look at verse 21. Do not let them depart from your sight. Focus on these truths. Keep them in front of you, not behind, them, behind you or beside you. Right in front. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Meditate on it. Memorize it. Internalize it. Know it. Apply it. Keep your eye on the ball. Listen to his truth. What's significant about this is the absolutes are clear. There's a standard by which we are to live. There's an anchor point that keeps us from being tossed by the waves, blown by the wind. In fact, we're given an even clearer value of God's wisdom and words in verse 22. For there are life to those who find them and health to all their body. What is life? Or why, why should we apply this truth? Life and health. Very simple. Life and health. What is life but living well? Living in a place of spiritual, emotional, and physical health. Now, I'm fully aware that we can't guarantee the physical health. But Jesus promised us abundant life. Life by his truth is indeed abundant. It's truly life. It's life at a better understanding of right now, and it looks toward eternal life with him. It's a life that makes sense in the midst of chaos of a broken world. Our students, they need God's truth. They need wisdom that all of us have to offer from God's word as well. In, in, in a world of anything but absolutes, our young people need clear standards. They need that anchor point. They need wisdom. They need to know how to handle God's word. They need to know how to handle others in God-honoring ways. They, they need to know how to handle money. They definitely need to know how to handle stress and when to stick to it and when to call it quits. They're young 
and they don't know how the world works just yet. Actually, the truth be told, they, they have a pretty good handle on the world, how the world works. But what they struggle with is how to respond to these challenges that come their way. They need God's truth in handling these struggles, whatever they may be. They need to listen to God's truth. Now, the rest of us, those of us who are all grown up, we've got it all together, right? <laughs> of course not. But at times, I think we lose track of the things that we have learned over the years, wisdom that we have acquired and internalized and maybe even lived by, but we forget that we've learned it. It's like the old cliche says, he's forgotten more about whatever topic than I've ever known. But the fact is, more life experience still does not mean we have all the answers. We, always, we must always be seeking to know more of God's truth. None of us have ever been the age we are right now before. Even with experience, there's new challenges we haven't faced. We don't know it all. And so we have to be open to learning more and more of him every single day. I heard the story of a professor who, uh, who, who said he read Hebrews every morning. He read, read Hebrews every morning. And somebody asked him, they said, well, well, how do you break up your reading? Do you read like a chapter or two or three or what does it look like? And he said, no, I read Hebrews every morning. See, here's a guy that was so interested in immersing himself in God's word that he daily read all 13 chapters of the book of Hebrews so that he could truly know God's word and could listen as God was speaking into his life. And the, the cool thing about it was it was still fresh every day. I'm in love with you. I think a lot about growing old and finishing well. I think of my grandfather just before he passed. This man is a man who finished well. But he was always seeking to learn more, even in his advanced age. This man never grew complacent, felt like he had it all together. I remember he was pushing 80 and he was learning Spanish to help those in his church. He never grew crusty or bitter or hard to be around. He listened to God's leading and he kept God's word in the midst of his heart. He listened to God's truth. Now we move to verse 23 to the instruction portion of the passage. Prior to this, we've been talking about what, what the value of the wisdom that the father wanted the son to hear, what he should do with it. But here's the actual wisdom he's given him. Verse 23 says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Now, this verse is the main thrust of the passage. It, it's huge in two ways. The first is really easy. This is the first, first major point here. I really do believe that this passage is saying, talking about our literal hearts. I mean, if you think about it, from, from, from the heart flow springs of life. Blood, oxygen, nutrients, they actually do flow from the heart. So takeaway number one, take care of your actual heart. That's it. Take care of your actual heart. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's move to the heavier and harder stuff. Scripture talks about the heart being a person's emotional and spiritual center. It's the inner person. In 1 Samuel 16, God talks about looking at David's heart and not his outside appearance. Psalm 51, Ezekiel 36 talk about the new heart that God gives us. Jeremiah 17 talks about the Lord searching the heart, the inner person. Jesus talked about the heart this way. Paul talked about the heart as the emotional center. Obviously, this is a big deal in our culture and communication today as well. The broken heart. Be still, my beating heart. Fill my heart. Like I said a minute ago, that some of that advice is advice that we take to heart, or it's close to our heart. 
we hear these things regularly. Hey, just sit down and listen to some love songs. This, is the, this idea of the heart connects with all of us. So when we talk about watching over our heart, or guarding our heart, as some translations say, we're talking about protecting our inner self, our emotional and spiritual center. Watch over your heart with all diligence. The Hebrew term for diligence translates as more than all guarding. In other words, it's within an intensity that we are supposed to guard our hearts. Vigilance. It's continually keeping a lookout. There are dangers and temptations from the evil one that could endanger our heart if we aren't watching out. We must be very careful. But why is that? Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? The passage goes on to say that God does, but that leaves us with a major question. How is our heart sick? The answer is very simple. It's sin. We're broken, every single one of us. Our hearts are full of sin and brokenness. We directed God's best for what we wanted. We wanted to do life our way instead of God's right way. So that's the danger for each one of us that we have to be watchful of. This is why Proverbs 4.23 says, Be careful with your heart. Be vigilant with your heart. It's broken. I know I see that with teenagers all the time. I mean, there are ups and downs, there's emotions, there's a roller coaster, I think many of us know this, and that's fine. That's actually not a problem. The issue is, when they're faced with a moral decision, their first instinct is to do with what feels good, or what's easiest, or which is frequently destructive, instead of living with an absolute clear definition from God's word of what is safe for the heart. I know many of us struggle with that. Our Heavenly Father has already given us a once and for all fix for our sins, for our broken hearts. He sent His Son to pay the price that we owed because of our sin. Our sin earned us permanent separation from a holy God who can't have sin in His presence. But Christ paid the price that we owed for our sins. He covered our debt, but He did more than that. He conquered sin, He conquered death by coming out of the grave. He's alive and offers us life through faith in him. This is the gospel. This is good news. This is, this is God's truth that protects our hearts. Because of, our, because of sin in our lives, we continually guard our hearts, watch over our hearts with the very wisdom, the truth that comes from God's word. Because if we don't have a standard from God's word, then we do not have a standard at all. So we must take truth and guard our hearts with it. If you pay attention to the news at all, you see that we're living in a society that says, if it doesn't go with what I want or what feels good, I don't have to accept it. This is the world that our students are growing up in. This is the world the rest of us see all around us every single day. It's one that rejects absolutes and replaces truth with emotion. It rejects the truth and replaces it with sin. You'll hear, this is what my heart wants to do. Or you'll hear the phrase, my truth, as if the truth were quickly customizable. If we don't adhere to the standards and to the wisdom that God has set out for us, if we aren't guarding our heart, then we end up justifying behavior because God wants us to be happy. Well, that's not exactly promised, at least not how we define happy. But we believe the lie. We believe our sin nature, and we believe the evil one who's trying to convince us of that lie. And so we allow happiness, pleasure, fear, emotion to override the truth. 
Emotional reactions uh, motivate us to do things that are contrary to wisdom truth, and the truth of God's word. We have to believe that God loves us and he wants the best for us because he does. We have, that's why we have to protect our hearts with his truth so we don't try to tackle life our way. And I'm not dogging on emotions because there are times where life surprises us and there are acceptable emotional reactions. There's justifiable anger when things, don't, when things go against God's justice. There are times of intense sorrow and overwhelming joy. But in this, we still align our hearts to God's truth so that our emotions reflect it. I think of crying your eyes out in pain, but in midst of that struggle, knowing that our ultimate hope is eternal in Christ. And we have that peace of knowing that the sorrows will someday have an end in glory. It's being right in anger at things that go against God's heart. But as Ephesians 4.26 says, in your anger, not sinning. I had a conversation with my daughter about this just the other day. She told me she was sad, and I told her it was perfectly fine to be sad. But we still have ultimate hope and peace in Christ. It's that sorrow and that pain that comes from sin that reminds us that we have something to look forward to. That's eternity with him. How we feel doesn't necessarily change the truth. Guarding our heart means not letting an res- emotional response make you do something that works contrary to God's standards. For our students, that means something crazy like smarting off to mom and dad when things don't go their way. Or doing something inappropriate so that they could be liked by that guy or that girl they've been noticing. Or maybe it's being f- uh, focused on the, being accepted by a peer group more than focusing on the love and acceptance, the perfect, complete love and acceptance that comes from Christ. Perhaps it's something simple as cheating. That's the fear that they won't cut it on their own. Or that God won't provide, so they're going to have to resort to something else. It's picking that emotional feel-good response, that in-the-moment response, that sin response, over over commitment to God's word and having integrity and honesty in all choices. And I'll tell you this, many of our students have learned the long-term damage of that isn't worth it. But as adults, we struggle in these same areas. Maybe we fudge some of the numbers at work because maybe we didn't work as hard as we should have. Or perhaps we worked just as hard as we should have, but the numbers didn't come in anyway. We, we've seen people leave marriages for less than biblical reasons. We support things that society says it's okay simply because it's easier or we feel bad, even though God's word is very clear. We take out frustration with our kids or our spouse rather than resetting or taking a breath. Some cheat on taxes. Some lie when the truth is not convenient in the moment. Instead, we need to live life God's way, guarding our heart by aligning our heart with God's truth. Guarding our heart heart ultimately comes down to trust. Are we going to protect our hearts with the truth that God is faithful and he's going to provide finances, the relationships, the right people, that special person, the right opportunity, peace in hard times, and so much more based on his plan and his timing, or we're going to try to do it our way. To guard our heart, to align it with God's truth, and continue to protect it from going astray is, is life with wisdom. That's life God's way. It's part of the abundant life that Jesus promised. A few years ago, my wife and I had some medical bills, and we also had a health savings account. And so we filled out the form 
to get the reimbursement from the health savings account. And, and it was only after I sent in the forms that, that I realized that I had miscalculated the amount that we were due. Yes, it was me. My wife has a math degree, so it was definitely not her. It was absolutely me. In fact, at least part of the reason I married her is because I can't math. <laughs> now, I, I should note that the amount we sent off for that we hoped that, when, w- w- that they would catch on their end that we had made a mistake was significantly more than the amount we were actually due. And, and so I was hoping they would catch our error. Should be simple enough. But when the check arrived, I looked at it, and it was very clear they had not caught our error. And so there I stood looking at the bigger than it should have been check, and I slammed it down on the counter. I said, I hate having integrity. (laughs) Now I want to let you know that we returned the check. We started the process over with the right amount. But the hidden message in there was one of trust. The heart says, keep it. We could use some extra cash, right? The question is, could God, is God going to provide? The answer is yes. Maybe not like we think. We had to guard our heart with the truth that God was not going to provide through dishonesty and through theft. So we had to align our hearts with God's truth. It's living in integrity and trust. We guard our hearts by not making decisions that go against God's standards. Since our heart is broken by sin, we sin. So we guard our hearts by making sure that we are humble enough to realize that we can easily stray. And so we allow God to speak through his word and through others who love him and want God's best for us. We guard our heart by doing all we can to avoid the temptations to give our heart away to things, ideas, and people that are destructive. Guarding our heart takes us back to verse 22. Life is and health. Taking care of your heart with wisdom is indeed life. It's health to the body as well. I know just thinking about an internalizing scripture seems to alleviate stress and doubt, if absolutely nothing else. I know when we keep tackling life our way and failing, we need to know God's word so that we can handle life the right way. Not only do we guard our hearts according to this wisdom, but we guard our tongues as well. Look at verse 24. Put away from you a deceitful mouth, and put devious speech far from you. Again, notice here there is a clear standard, a definite absolute for what's acceptable speech, and we're to do away with the rest. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34, that the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. In other words, what's in your heart comes out of your mouth. So protecting our heart with deceit and deviousness Protecting our heart from deceit and deviousness changes what comes out of your mouth. Guard your heart, guard your speech. With words, we can build up and tear down. The right words bring encouragement, wisdom, correction that lead to a better life. What we say matters. So as a reflection of our heart, as Jesus said, it shows even more about who we are. Words have an impact. The truth matters. Now we have a policy of honesty at our dinner table at home. My, uh, my wife does the cooking because she's good at it and she enjoys it. Me, I just like to eat. And, and what happens is, I'm sure like your family, she has a regular rotation of recipes that we go through. Things that we'll see pretty regularly. And every once in a while she tries a new recipe. And when she asks me how I like it, she wants to know. She wants the truth. 
Because if I like it, it will go into the regular rotation. If I don't like it, we won't do it again. And, and so when she asked me, the temptation frequently is there to say yes, even though maybe I don't necessarily like it. Why? Because I want to make my wife happy. I like it when she smiles. And so if I can get her happy in that moment, the temptation is there to say, yes, I like it, even when I don't. The problem with that is, if I allow myself to, to deceive in that moment, then the long run is, I'm going to see that meal again, and then now we've got to deal with honesty. That is not the way we want to go forward in our marriage. Deceitful and devious speech gets one to places the wrong way, like lying for a momentary pleasure. You can picture someone who lies his way to the top of a corporate ladder or cheats his way through school to get the best grades. What drives this? It's a heart that doesn't trust that God's going to provide for them. It's a prideful heart. It's a heart that says standards mean absolutely nothing. I want what I want. Put those away and trust. Guard your heart. He knows best. And here's an additional bonus to getting rid of a deceitful mouth and devious speech. I've, t- I've shared this with students a few times. You can't listen while you're speaking. So if you'll shut your mouth, if you'll pay attention, you'll learn wisdom. And you can listen to God speaking to you through his word, through others, if you just stop and listen. And, and I've even told students this as well, that God can teach you through others' mistakes if you pay attention. Guard your heart, guard your mouth. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. We move from there to how we should live. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. Now, of course, the picture here is of the person who is, who is walking a path, an established standard. It appears a lot in Proverbs and throughout the rest of Scripture, the idea of the path or our walk. This is your eyes looking ahead, focused on what is in front. Now, I find this interesting in light of verse 21 that says, keep this wisdom always in your sight. And verse 25 says, look ahead. Keep your eye on the ball. It's living out God's word and being focused on it and what we do. Now, every time I mow the front yard, which I need to do this weekend, I think of the story of how the farmer keeps his rows straight. Now, I am a city kid. I know nothing about farming. But the story I always heard is the farmer keeps his rows straight by lining it up, finding a point across the field from where he's going, and drive straight there. And I think about that every time I mow my lawn. I think I pick a point on the fence, and I line it up, and I go straight there. Sometimes my rows are pretty straight. And when we focus on God's standards, on his word, on how we should live, we are focusing on that point straight ahead, adhering to God's word and living it out. It's him changing our hearts to make our hearts more like his. It's the goal of being like Jesus in everything we do. The pathway is clear when our eyes are focused and our hearts are guarded. He is the truth we're pursuing, becoming like Jesus is our goal.
So how does that look? I know for our students, they will, that the, when they guard their heart, they will care more about bringing God the glory than worrying about what others think. They'll stop insulting others just to make themselves look good, and they'll start uplifting others. They'll speak well of their parents, even when they disagree with a decision. They'll love others with a Christ-like love, despite differences and in spite of the sin struggles of others. They'll tell others what Christ has done in their lives. It's an established path, a clear standard. Be like Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, we see that guarded heart modeled by many, many of our students. As adults, we'll make decisions based on integrity when guarding our hearts. We won't take shortcuts in raising our children or in our jobs. We'll have hard conversations with folks that need it. We'll work hard for the boss that we don't like. We'll be patient with our spouse. We'll speak well of the neighbors. We'll have integrity in all situations, even the little ones. We'll love others with a Christ-like love, despite differences and in spite of the sin struggles of those others. We'll be telling others what Christ has done in our lives. Again, an established path, a clear standard. Be like Jesus. Guard your heart with truth to keep you on his path. When we do that, our heart does not drag us from one way to the other, not to the right or to the left. We listen to his truth. We internalize it. We guard our hearts and align them to God's word so that the overflow, so that, that will overflow out of our mouths and our lives and our actions on our everyday path. The cover of one, last time, one of last month's Time Magazine issues read, Is Truth Dead? You might have seen it. And I'm going to love it with you. I think it's a big question in today's society. We're in an era of fake news and the rumor mill that is the internet. And people are regularly denying absolutes based on what they feel or what feels good, what's convenient. So that, Is Truth Dead? seems like a really valid question. But this is a sin that affects our every single day. And for those of us who know the truth, Christ Jesus, we know better. As we live in a world that's uncertain of that answer to the question, is truth dead, we have to be even more sure of the truth that we guard our hearts and, and stick to the path that God has laid out for us. Don't forget, his sta these standards are his. And I'm going to tell you right now, none of this matters outside of right relationship with the Father through the Son. We cannot be good enough, follow the rules enough, guard our heart enough, or walk a straight enough path to fix ourselves. But Jesus did. He fixed it. He gives us a new heart. A heart that belongs to him. And through faith in him, we can guard our heart and keep our eye on the ball. Or rather, the Savior. As the real truth to align our hearts, mouths, and paths to. If you've never put your faith in Jesus, in his death and his resurrection, today is the day. We have some folks up here after the service. I'd love to talk to you. Our theme this year for student ministry has been all in. When you do a move like that, you are all in. To us, all in is a statement of what Christ has called us to. See, relationship with Jesus isn't a local pizza buffet. 
It's, it's not pick and choose what you like based on what's convenient or just what's easiest to swallow. Being all in is total alignment to the absolutes of Scripture with your whole life. It's guarding your heart with truth to keep you on his right path. This means for each of us, all of us, that we would be immersing ourselves in Scripture, trying to understand, seeking to know him more, seeking to know his word, and then simply asking God to open our eyes to the areas where our lives and his word don't match up. It's connecting with a Bible study here at Wayside. And I'm going to tell you this too, it's also serving in a student ministry, the children's ministry, or maybe there's another ministry where you can share the wisdom that God has taught you. I'm telling you right now, those students need it, and so many are eager to hear it. So then the question for all of us, are we guarding our hearts with truth to keep us on his right path? Are you all in with Jesus? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for giving us clear definition of what life is to look like. We thank you for the clear standard that we have in Christ. We thank you that you, when we strayed, you loved us enough to send your son to fix our sin problem and to give us the wisdom we need for life. So, Father, I pray for any heart in here that does not know you, know Jesus, that would change here this morning. And, Lord, I pray for the rest of us as we struggle through handling this life well, Lord, that we would honor you by guarding our hearts with your truth, that we would choose things that bring you glory, and that our lives would reflect you in everything we do. Lord, we thank you for a celebration of these students. We thank you for... Uh, just the things that they've done to prepare for this morning, Lord, the hard work they've put in. And Lord, we know that they want to bring you glory in their lives, and so we pray that would happen. Lord, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.